Hello, everybody. Welcome to Super Saint Podcast. Uh, I'm recording this on uh, Friday, March 27th, 2020. Um, we're in a series of uh, walking through the sorrowful mysteries. Um, all of these meditations are taken from Bob and Penny Lord's uh, meditation on the sorrowful mysteries. So, uh, as always, there's a, a link below in the show notes. Uh, please go and take a look. Um, uh, these are somewhat abridged ver- versions. Uh, there's more information in the actual uh, in the actual meditations that, that Bob and Penny wrote. Um, so I encourage you to go uh, take a look at that. Um, today we're talking about um, the fourth sorrowful mystery: uh, Jesus carries the cross. When did Jesus begin his way of the cross? Was it at Cana? The night his mother turned to him and said. They have no wine. Was it when he performed his first miracle changing that water into wine? Was Jesus trying to tell his mother that if he does that, the world will begin to know who he is, his walk will begin, and life as they know it will be no more? Was that really what he was saying when he answered his mother, Woman, why turn to me? My hour has not yet come. Was Jesus trying to buy one more night of normality before starting his ministry? and his long journey to the cross. Did Mother Mary understand she was asking him to begin the journey that could only end up at Calvary? Could she have still said, do whatever he tells you? And now she still is saying the same thing, really, at every apparition. She basically says, do whatever he tells you. Jesus had been teaching. He had been traveling the countryside, healing the mind, the spirit, and the body, and the heart. He had been leading his children gently, holding them by the hand, along the path to understanding the Father's will in their lives. He warned them they could not have two masters. They would hate the one and love the other. He cautioned them not to judge one another. He brought them hope with his words, Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. He also made them uncomfortable. The people in towns where he performed many miracles did not turn from their sins, and so he chastised them, telling them, I assure you that on Judgment Day, God will show more mercy to the people of Tyre and Sidon than to you. But he never gave up on them, patiently and compassionately, consistently reaching out to them. He tried to reach them. Do you think what I am asking is too difficult? Knowing their pain, he reassured them, Come to me, all of you who are tired from carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Knowing his time was near, and they would never make it without his presence among them, he gave them food for the journey. It has been said that the church would not have lasted 100 years without the Eucharist. When Jesus believed they were ready, or was it more that he knew his hour had come, he prepared them for the gift of the Holy Eucharist. When he fed more than 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, they loved him. They wanted more, and so they followed him. They found him praying in a synagogue in Capernaum. Then he made the decision that began his walk to the cross. He proclaimed the Eucharistic doctrine, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. Most of those who had followed him left Hence, Jesus began his lonely walk to the cross. Then he asked his chosen twelve, Will you leave me too? And one of them, 
Judas, began to plot against him. Why did those from whom he had come and for whom he had come, the chosen people, leave? Why did Judas betray him? Bishop Sheen said our Lord's teaching on the Eucharist was too much for them to bear, and so they killed him. Was it too simple? Did it require too much faith? Did his teaching now lack the excitement, the sensationalism they had found in the miracles he had performed in their midst? It began with grumbling. It ended with the crucifixion. Jesus scolded them. Stop your grumbling. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. They did not understand. They did not know him. They did not want him any longer. They had had expectations of him that he would not fulfill. They would silence him. They could no longer look upon him. They wanted him to disappear, and so they killed him. Jesus began to form and prepare his church. He asked his followers first, Who do people say that I am? They gave him multiple answers. Elijah, John the Baptist, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then Jesus turned to the apostles. Who do you say that I am? Peter professed, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Knowing Peter's wisdom was not for man, but had been revealed to him by his heavenly Father, Jesus proclaimed him rock and declared upon him he would build his church. Jesus, at that very moment in time, chose Peter as his first pope. And even after Peter denied him three times, Jesus did not take back his mission from Peter. For Jesus always did the will of his Father in heaven. Knowing this was his Father's will, he gave an irrevocable yes. And so with his yes, not only did Jesus found his church, but the Holy Trinity, one and inseparable, created her. The world was given Mother Church and would know her after she flowed from the bleeding heart of our Savior on the cross. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus ascended Mount Tabor, bringing Peter, James, and John with him. It was so breathtaking, so beautiful, so peaceful up there. On this mountain high above the patchwork fields, away from all the problems below, the Lord showed him, showed them his glorious self. As they looked on, a change came over his face. His face was shining like the sun, and his clothes were dazzling white. Peter, James, and John heard a voice descending from heaven. This is my own dear son, with whom I am pleased. Listen to him. Peter was so excited, he wanted to pitch tents up there. Lord, how good it is for us to be here. Would he have been so eager, so elated, if he had known this was Jesus' way of preparing them, strengthening them for the walk through the valley to the next high place, Calvary? The walk to Calvary had to be a lonely one. Jesus had tried to prepare his disciples. I will be put to death, but three days later I will be raised to life. Like so many of us, Peter did not hear, I will be raised to life. The enemy of fear and uncertainty deafened his ears to Jesus' consoling and reassuring words. All Peter could say was, God forbid it, Lord. As you, Jesus, saw your first pope weaken so many times, and you see us disappoint you with our own needs and agendas, how do you stick with us, Lord? Our biggest enemy is fear, Lord. Fear is the reason Peter denied you three times fear of pain and death. 
Today the world is very busily engaged in spreading fear and hopelessness. One of our local priests once said, Over the gates of hell there is a sign which reads, Abandon hope, all you who enter here. Well, that's not where we want to end up. We definitely do not want to take any road that might lead us there. So, now that we know the enemy's game, we need to walk beside Jesus and take up our own cross as we prepare for the resurrection and the glorious mysteries. Whenever we are tempted to ask questions, Why me, Lord? We need only to open the New Testament and read the life of Jesus. We will discover the way of the cross started before Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And as we then start to meditate on our own walk, we will meet that precious Savior who has been walking beside us all our life. And if we dare look upon him, we will bless him for our life and all that has happened is happening and will happen. Our modern theology tells us that when we sin, we break relationship with Jesus. And I'm sure that that's true. But if we come to terms with the fact that when we sin, we take our foot and kick him with all our might in his side as he's carrying the cross, that our sins might just have been the catalyst to make him buckle under and crumble, bloody, face first onto the ground. If we love him the way we say we do, we have to want to cut off our leg before sinning against him again. And yet, we sin and sin. When Jesus walked along the Via Della Rosa, the soldiers poked him, prodding him, although he needed no prodding. He fell three times face down into the dirt, weighed down by the cross. But he got up. On pilgrimage, whenever we walk the way of the cross, and I behold my Lord alone and abandoned, the weight of the cross crushing him, looking up at me with such a look of human helplessness, I want to shout out, Don't get up, Lord. Stay down. No more, Lord. Don't let them hurt you anymore. Why do you get up? Is it so that when I don't want to begin again, when I don't want to carry my cross, I will remember you weighed down by the cross, getting up, going on to your death? There was no one to help you carry your cross, Jesus. No one considered it a privilege or honor to take your cross from your shoulders. Simon of Cyrene had to be forced into helping you with your cross. Peter stood a safe distance away to avoid confrontation, pain, and possibly death. Lord, only the women dared to walk with you to the cross. O Veronica, what did you see in the eyes of Jesus as you wiped the blood and sweat from his most precious face? O women of Jerusalem, did you know that what our Lord was about was talking about as he told you not to cry for him, but for yourselves and for your children? O Lord, what did you see at that moment? Were those women of Jerusalem standing in for the women of the world who would hold the lifeless bodies of their children in their arms, victims of a world that considered life so expendable? Are you one of those women who Jesus was speaking to? Is he talking about your children? Is he asking you to look around and see what kind of a world, what kind of a country, what kind of a church we are leaving to them? Is our Lord walking alone as schools, secular television, and the world take him out of our children's lives? Will our children know him after we are gone? Do our children know him now? Was our Jesus talking to us? Is he talking to us today? Is he crying out to us in pain as he carries the cross of those millions of babies that are being so brutally killed off for profit. You say you were not born when Jesus walked the way of the cross, abandoned by everyone but his mother, St. John, and some women. 
Do I hear you say you would not have stood by when they crucified our Lord, when they mocked and spit upon him? How much a part of the Mass are you? Is your mind wandering back to the business of life? When you see someone leaving the altar area with the Lord in their hands, obviously unaware of who it is they are holding, no less what to do with the most precious hosts, our Lord truly present, body and blood, soul and divinity. You just sit there not wanting to bring attention to yourself. After all, what if you're wrong? You wouldn't want to hurt anyone's feelings or be embarrassed. Is Jesus not your brother? Is he not your affair? When someone, whether in print, at the movies, or on television, or in your presence, mocks him, criticizes his church, his word, the commandments he laid down, attacks his most holy and beloved mother, do you stay politely silent, uninvolved? Bishop Sheen said that those who stood apathetically by while our Lord walked his way to the cross and hung there, breathing his last breath, hurt him more than those who drove the nails into his hands and feet wounding him more than those who spit upon him, pierced his heart more painfully than the centurion whose sight was restored when he placed the Lord's precious blood on his eyes. Our Lord Jesus asks us, can you not spend one hour with me? Respond yes, and then head toward the tabernacle in your church where Jesus is waiting, no longing for you. Are you you a spectator during the sacrifice of the Mass? The Mass is not a spectator sport. Or are you an active participant? For you see before you your Lord and Savior, the same crucified Lord, that same Jesus who was born to die for us, coming to life on the altar through the priest calling upon the Holy Spirit in his consecrated hands. You witness the crucifixion and the resurrection of your Lord, who is once again interceding with the Father for the redemption of your sins and my sins. And if you do not feel tears rushing to your eyes, then there is no life in you. You do not know him. Be not surprised if someday he says to you, I do not know you. Please load our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Here's how to download our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Simply, with your iPhone or Android device, go to the App Store, search for Bob and Penny Lord app, and download it. It's that simple. Here's what you can do with our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Number one, the, there's a link to our marketplaces, our websites, uh our uh, blog, and this podcast. The second link is to our Bob and Penny Lord TV channel where you can access all of our videos as seen on EWTN plus a whole lot more. Thank you very much.